And welcome back to Uneducated, the show where we feel dumb so you don't have to. I'm your host, Cammie Scott, and today I am joined by Candace Birch, an internationally recognized hormone health educator with over 25 years experience in the field. Through her at-home testing and consulting practice, Your Hormone Balance, Candace helps people detect and correct hormonal imbalances, which I had the pleasure of getting tested. So this episode is all about understanding our hormones, understanding what imbalances do, and we take a deep dive into my results so Candace can give me an idea of where things are in balance and what they're doing to me and how to fix them. I'm going to be sharing my journey over the next few months with you guys over on the Uneducated Instagram and my personal channels as well. So if you're interested in seeing what I do with the information Candace gives me today, make sure you follow along. Candace also is offering $100 off her program. So if you want to check that out, stay tuned to the end for the promo code. And you can also find all of the information in the description of the show. Let's get into it. Hi, Candace. Thank you for joining me today. You are most welcome. I was looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm so excited. I don't know a lot about hormones, which I, I mean, the whole point of the show is to talk about things and not be embarrassed, but I'm, I am admittedly embarrassed how little I know when it is so important, especially as a woman and I'm almost 30. So I feel like, I feel like it's something I should be focusing on. So I'm really excited to dive into things today. And so the listeners know, I actually took Candace provides at home tests. I had to spit in some tubes throughout the day and I got my results back and Candace is going to help me kind of understand them a little bit more and what I should be doing to make sure my hormones are properly balanced. So before we get in, can you give us who don't know a lot about hormones kind of just a rundown of what the important hormones in our body are and what they do for us? Sure. And I just, I wanted to say, I love the uh, name of your podcast, Uneducated. Thank you. Because we aren't really, when it comes to hormones, we women are not really, we are uneducated. So, you know, not to yeah. not to beat yourself up over don't know enough about hormones, because I have talked to so many women who don't, hey, we didn't get this in sex ed in school, did we? Or in home economics. It's so or in health class. It's such an important thing. Yeah. Topic. And then when we went to the doctor when we were 14 or 12 and our period started, and then a few years on, we had acne or horrible, heavy periods. Mm -hmm. Nobody talked to us about our hormones. They just said, you've got, you know, let's put you on a birth control pill to deal with your issues. Yeah. And I still hear that from way too many women. But, you know, I'm one of those who much about hormones until I went into menopause and was terrifying my children <laughs> with my mood mm -hmm. swings and my hot flashes. <laughs> and, you know, I always tell the story how I looked at Ryan. I started late <laughs> as a mom. I was 41 when I had my youngest. And so that kind of tells you how old I am. But anyway, I was looking at Ryan one day and she was like six and staring <laughs> at me with these tears standing in her eyes. Mommy, you know, mean mommy, who is this person? So I, you know, ha I was already a health oh. educator. I was a health journalist. And I thought, I got to get a handle on this. It's obviously my hormones. I'm in perimenopause, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. 
So I started reading a mm -hmm. uh, great book to read, What Your Doctor May Not Tell You yeah. About Premenopause or About Menopause for your older listeners. And I learned that there were some very key master female hormones going on. And these are the ones we test. And to answer your question, we're talking about the estrogen and progesterone, which are the two master female hormones that, you know, grew all of our our female organs and our cycles are regulated by those two hormones throughout our reproductive life. And they kind of need to be in a good balance, but they fall out of balance easily. We also are talking about testosterone, mm -hmm. which everyone thinks of as, oh, that's about sex drive, libido, but testosterone and DHEA, the most abundant hormone in the body, partner to build and maintain bone density, to build and maintain lean muscle mass, have a lot to do with our, so our structure, our stamina, our metabolism, oh. our, um, yes, our drive, our sex drive, our competitive drive, even our enthusiasm, our outlook on life is somewhat determined by, by the androgens, testosterone and DHEA. So they also are part of this whole picture of hormone hormones that work together, you know, they interact like seesaws or um, think of synchronized swimmers, you know, all pointing their toes in the same pedal formation. If one of them swam off to the other end of the pool or dove down, what happens to all that synchrony? Or, or there's the oft used analogy of the orchestra. If one hormone's playing out of tune, if one instrument's playing out of tune, what happens to the symphony? That's kind of how hormones are. And then we also test well, that's very much how hormones are, how they work. We also at the same time test the, the, the master stress hormones, cortisol. Um, we've heard of cortisol, it's not adrenaline, it's not the, you know, the hormone the adrenals make when we're running from a forest fire, but it's the, it's the everyday sort of get up and go. Cortisol should be highest in the morning and then it should, it should gradually drop throughout the day to its lowest point at night so we can calm down and sleep. In the morning, we should wake up with, you know, lots of energy. So we test cortisols four times over the course of one day to see if we're following that proper, uh, the expected, uh, what we call the diurnal curve for cortisol. So those five hormones, cortisol, DHEA, testosterone, and estrogen, progesterone are major how do I say? I mean, I often say they rule, you know, they make the world go round for us. Um, they're, they govern our mental, emotional, mm -hmm. physical lives. Yeah. They are Affecting chemical messengers. Of our life. Um, it's a good idea to think mm -hmm. of a hormone as a key that fits into the lock of a cell. So if you think of a, a, a receptor site of a cell as like a door or a helicopter landing pad mm -hmm. or a puzzle piece, that hormone has to fit perfectly into that place to open the door and flip all those master switches that control our moods, our memory, our periods, our anxiety, whether or not we have, you know, our weight, all of it. So it's a big, it's a big topic. And my, my aim is always to try to make it more understandable, help women figure out what's going on and what they can do about it. It really sounds like to me that this goes hand in hand with mental health, which is also a big stigma that we don't talk enough about. And I feel like when you don't talk about it, you try to just normalize things, what's going on in you. I think it was so yes. interesting. You brought up going through menopause and having your youngest kind of looking at you like, mean mommy. I, My mom and I now joke that I went through puberty when she went through menopause. And that's 
pretty much the only time we talk about hormones when they're raging, when you are a, a kid going into adulthood, or when you're going through menopause. I think, at least for me and my experience, we often miss that that middle time. So I'm almost 30 and I don't discuss my hormones. I don't look into them. And I actually started to think about getting them tested in therapy. We were talking about my mood swings and feeling really, really low before ah, my period. Mm-hmm. I'm self-diagnosed P- having PMDD. And I just felt like there had to be a better answer than getting on birth control. I'm gay. I don't really want to be on birth control. It doesn't feel necessary for me. So yeah, so I didn't. I don't want to have to take that route. I didn't want to have to be on antidepressants if it was just balancing my hormones. So I wanted to have a better grasp of what was going on, but I had already taken those steps to understanding my mental health. And I think a lot of people sweep everything under the rug and just think, well, this is how I am when it could be something as simple as adjusting their hormones. And I don't really know how to do that yet, which is where you're going to come in. But I'm assuming there could be simple fixes like switching your diet. You know, it's a, it's all of a piece. It's a holistic thing. It's not, you know, it's about, it's not just about taking certain things, although that's important, supplements, vitamins, herbs, maybe some bioidentical hormone cream, um, which you can talk about. It's also about, you know, managing stress levels, duh, you know, we all know this ad nauseum, but there are other aspects of, of that, you know, um, uh, what stress really is, because there's good stress and bad stress, you know, it, the, it all affects us physiologically yeah. the same. Um, but, you know, with, that's an interesting topic. You, you said you self-diagnosed PMDD, which is an interesting conversation from my point of view, because PMDD is just, you know, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a more severe form of PMS. This, the symptoms are very similar. Mm -hmm. The timing is very similar. Um, Right before you get your period, right? You, 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 you cast, you plummet into this place where, Everything looks, you know, depending on how severe it is, pretty, you know, there's a big dark cloud hanging over your head. And actually, if we talk about PMS, there are 150 different symptoms of PMS. And just to give you a little background on PMS, which is, I, I would think of it as the forerunner of PMDD. And maybe, maybe it's an uncontrolled kind of like unaddressed PMS that is definitely linked to particular hormone imbalances that we can identify in a test. And that makes people feel better because it's like, oh, I have a reason for being out of my box half the time, you know, half the Mm -hmm. month. Yeah, it's comforting. I mean, people do not want to. It's comforting. They don't want to hear from me. Oh, everything's normal. You know, they want to know. But, you know, my my feeling is (laughs) since PMDD was put in the diagnostic statistics manual as being a mental illness, you know, you, you said, let's talk about it as a mental, mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're anxious and depressed and yeah. irritable and biting off the heads of all the people you love most in all the world, I've talked to women who, who describe Jekyll and Hyde mood swings. Um, and mm-hmm. as I was saying, we have 150 different symptoms of PMS. And interestingly, the woman that defined PMS put it on the medical map, wrote about it in the medical journals, was a British physician in the 1950s, Dr. Katerina Dalton, who had struggled with migraines all her life. And she found that when she was pregnant, her first pregnancy, 
lo and behold, she didn't have any migraines and she felt fantastic the whole time. So you know how women feel, can feel fantastic oh. in, the sec, in that second half of the pregnancy. And she was like, wow, I need to study this. And she started mm -hmm. studying the association between hormone levels when you're pregnant and when you're not. And you know, she found that of course, when you're pregnant, you are, that baby is swimming in a sea of progesterone and estrogen levels. They're at their highest, extraordinarily high levels, particularly at progesterone. And she found that it's, it's, there's a huge connection with low progesterone levels, which is the hormone that we produce upon ovulation. And hopefully we ovulate because <laughs> that's where the problem comes in, a lack of ovulation or mm -hmm. disruption of ovulation and we don't produce progesterone. But anyway, there was, she found a big link between lows of estrogen and even greater lows of progesterone, which is particularly low right before your period. Um, and, and, sh and she had done, you know, some migraines, mood swings, which can be really mm -hmm. severe. Um, you know, breast tenderness, all kinds of symptoms that we can't, we feel like we can't get a handle on are actually linked to not so much the hormone being the culprit, but the changes in hormone levels, you know, what they go through this rhythm and they should be highest in certain places and low you know, we can talk about that, but it, right before your period, um, you know, you've been in the follicular phase where estrogen was was high and it was growing that egg in the ovary because estrogen's a growth hormone, right? So it was thickening the lining of the, uter the uterine lining, the endometrium, growth, growth, growth. It was growing the egg in the ovary. And then right before our period, um, estrogen drops. And, you know, if you find yourself craving sweets and sugars, it's it, there's a big connection between the drop in estrogen and um, a drop in serotonin, that neurotransmitter in the brain that hits the happy place. You know, we call that the happy place. And as it happens, carbohydrates can actually raise levels of serotonin. So you've got a relative drop in estrogen and you've got a big drop in progesterone right before your period because progesterone's the hormone that says, okay, there's no fertilized egg this cycle, let's shed, let's have a period. So both those hormones are low and you, you know, this is when we experience um, the, the worst symptoms of PMS, et cetera. So my feeling is kind of with PMDD, if we can get a handle on where our hormone levels are at, identify whether progesterone levels are low, whether there's an imbalance there of estrogen to progesterone, whether there's a, an imbalance of cortisol stress hormones, which suppress these female hormones also, if we can get a handle on that and identify it and then correlate it to the symptoms women are experiencing, which is what we do with the test result, then we can say, okay, there's a re no wonder you're feeling the way you are. And, you know, let's, let's see what we can do to, to make you mm -hmm. feel better. Because there is, there is, there is hope. <laughs> there is possibility yeah. of making you feel way. I think, in fact, a lot of women don't realize how much better they could be feeling. Yeah, I think we just accept it as it is what it is. We're just women and we have to go through this every single month. I know for me, because I do get so low right before my period, I I didn't do anything about it for so long and I'm just finally doing it. I think because I knew there was always that light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> it wasn't going to be a constant feeling. As soon as my period started, I kind of lifted up from that depressive episode and felt better. And as bad as it was in the moment, once I was out of it, I kind of just wanted to forget about it and move forward. So it left me not taking it 
into my own hands and taking control over it, which Mm -hmm. then the next month it was just continuing again. You know, I wanted to say also in response to you talking about it as a mental health thing, I think that there's a danger of this being um, classified, you know, it's classified in the the diagnostic manual of mental illness as as a mental health disorder. And yet it's really, you know, I think the underpinnings of it, the cause, if we look at the root cause, is a hormonal imbalance. And so wouldn't it be better mm-hmm. to start with identifying whether or not there's a hormonal imbalance going on that maybe has been, maybe you've been walking around for years with a hormonal imbalance. And it, ha- you know, these things are hidden. As you said, we get used to symptoms. Yeah. We get used to being tired all the time or bitchy all the time, or, you know, I'm always going to break mm-hmm. up with my partner every peri- every time I get my period, or I'm, you know, I'm just... I can't think straight or I have no libido or I don't remember where this, why I walked into this room. Um, you know, I have no enthusiasm for the things I used to do. I'm terribly depressed and my doctor wants to put me on an antidepressant, but I don't want to be on an antidepressant because my life is good. It's something else going on, you know? So, so this, mm-hmm. I think this is a way to think when I, I was describing scaring my children at that time, I didn't even realize there was such a thing as a hormonal imbalance. <laughs> you know, we've come a long way in the last 20 wow. years and I have worked in the field for about 20 years. And I can tell you, we've gone from birth control pill or the antidepressant to there being functional medicine, people being health educators like me, lots of people getting onto this and saying, wait, let's, let's find out if you have an imbalance that we can address and re- and turn around. Yeah, it sounds like an easy, not, not an easy fix, but much easier than a lot of other methods. If it's just, and that's, that's what my therapy, therapist keeps saying. She's like, let's get your hormones tested because if that's it and you could feel better, <laughs> why aren't you doing it? <laughs> Good for her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, you don't you can't be on an antidepressant all your all your life. Mm-hmm. I think antidepressants make people feel flat and fat. And you know, how long can you be on an antidepressant? So many people have said to me, I'm not really I don't, you know, like I said, I don't yeah. think I'm depressed. Yeah. I think there's something else going on. Women kind of know, but it's just understanding the logistics of, of what how these changes come about. Exactly. So should we dive into some of my results and kind of break it down and see if there's any abnormalities or imbalances going on? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I because I was afraid we'd lose the I'd lose the video if I went to my screen. Normally when I'm when I'm interpreting results, I'm on the phone with people and I'm looking mm-hmm. at their results on my computer. We're looking at them together. So mm-hmm. that's hard for you to do right now to be looking at your results. Um well, I can bring mine up as well. I'll open them in a separate tab. Your results. Here we go. <laughs> got them. Okay. I got them up. And I will say, I just want to note to everyone, I am terrified of the doctors. It's just like a thing that I'm working on. And I think that's part of the reason of what held me back getting my hormones tested for so long. So thank you for making this very easy and not scary at all for someone like me. It was so nice to have all the directions. I, I'm a planner, so I liked having everything there, knowing what to do. Just had to spit in the little 2B. There was no blood work. So it made it, it felt very safe for me and for my anxiety. So thank you for making this a simple process. Sure. And, you know, I should, uh, maybe we should touch on that a little bit right before we go into your yeah. results. But testing in saliva is is one of the very, um, 
it's very much the gold standard for testing adrenal stress hormone levels. Because mm -hmm. as I mentioned, you have to know what your morning, noon, evening, bedtime levels are to get a fix on how your adrenals are managing um, all the jobs that they have to manage. M most importantly, mm -hmm. stabilizing your blood sugar, um, you know, regulating the, the relationship between blood sugar and insulin so that you have a steady state of energy because that boils down to energy, fuel for the brain, fuel for the body. That's the adrenals, these tiny little glands that are pumping away, making you know, like a bellows, making enough energy for you to, to go forth and take stress and stride throughout your day so that if someone looks at you wrong, you don't have a meltdown or you get <laughs> cut, cut, cut off in traffic or you know, good or bad stress just kind of takes you down over time when it keeps piling on. Um, so mm -hmm. it's the gold standard for that because saliva is non-invasive. We can't be pricking ourselves with needles four times in one day. That's totally untenable. It's going to skew our results. I would never. <laughs> no. I mean, who's going to do that? And secondly, <laughs> secondly, saliva has been kind of, it, I mean, there's urine testing and there's blood testing, but saliva testing is looking at what we call bioavailable hormone levels. So if you imagine that hormones travel in the bloodstream, a reservoir of hormones is in the bloodstream, they're all carried by a carrier protein on a red blood cell and they're traveling through the bloodstream. But in the bloodstream, they are bound. They're bound to that protein, they're not active. When they become active, and there's a message from the brain, the pituitary, the hypothalamic adrenal axis, pituitary axis is saying, hey, she's exercising, she's, she's lifting weights, we need a little more testosterone here to give her some. So there's always this feedback loop that is creating signals and saying, let's unbind some of that testosterone or estrogen or progesterone that's traveling in the bloodstream and get it into the target tissues, the cells of the body where hormones can get in there and start affecting, you know, the, 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 the change, the, the roles that they play. So saliva is when we capture hormones and saliva samples, we're capturing hormones that have left the bloodstream, but two to 4% that are always active, that are always becoming unbound, leaving the bloodstream and moving into the tissues and then opening up that door to the cell and getting active, you know, into the cells where they do their work. So when we test saliva, we can correlate the levels that we see, these active happening levels, this is what's happening with the symptoms that you have. And so mm -hmm. it's much easier to correlate those symptoms. So in your case, you know, I mentioned we always test estrogen and project. Let's start with the first three lines of the report. So you see your, your estrogen there and, and progesterone, and mm -hmm. then you see something called the PGE2 ratio, yes. right? First three lines of the report. So estradiol, you see that in parentheses, yes. is Mm -hmm. most potent of the estrogens. Women have actually have three estrogens, estriol, mm -hmm. estrone, but estradiol is the main circulating hormone throughout our reproductive lives. And um, it's very potent. As I mentioned, it's a growth hormone. It grew all of our female organs. It, it made us female. Um, and it also grows that egg in the ovary and the uterine lining. So it's great to have a growth hormone doing those mm -hmm. things. Sometimes estrogens thought of as the angel of life because it gave us these these structures, these organs. But, but if if growth, if if a growth hormone gets out of hand, then mm -hmm. we get into problems because estrogen driven 
growth can, if it's not balanced properly by the adequate amount of progesterone that should be produced every cycle, then estrogen can become dominant. And in that case, that's when we start to have a, a, a relative drop in the ratio between estrogen and progesterone. We want that balance to be nice, but if estrogen's out of a little bit too high, then we become estrogen dominant. And I would say that's kind of what's going on with you. Your estrogen level's a bit high, um, and you, you're you not to panic. I mean, this is, you know, it's not like, okay. no, no, it's not like this is a permanent mm -hmm. situation. And estrogen is commonly high in women <laughs> if their progesterone on. is borderline low, which yours is. Yeah. The low end of their range is 99 and you're at 126. So it could be better. Um, mm -hmm. Let me talk a bit mm -hmm. about progesterone now. So first half of the cycle, it's all about estrogen, growing that egg. Second okay. half, you're supposed to ovulate. So let's say you have a 20, do you have a regular cycle? Okay, so let's say you have a 28 day cycle. Does that sound about right? Yeah, probably to the T. If anything, I have a regular cycle. If nothing else is right with my yeah, period, Yeah, well, that's that, good, that. be glad. Irregular <laughs> periods are also a big sign of, of hormonal imbalance. In fact, irregular periods, heavy, painful mm -hmm. periods. How's it, how is your period? Is it heavy, painful, or is it a normal flow? No, it is very heavy. I would say it's normal, except for there's probably a 24-hour to 36-hour time period where it's extremely heavy, and it's it can get so painful, and typically lately it's been quite painful that I'm out for a day. It's hard for me to focus. I can't leave the couch. I definitely am not leaving the house. So it's not for the entire duration of the period, but at least for an entire day. So that's estrogen. That is estrogen mm -hmm. thickening the lining of your endometrium in between cycles because the borderline progesterone that we're seeing here is not adequate to balance the amount of estrogen you have. If you have a, a, an estrogen that's a bit high, a borderline low progesterone, and a ratio that is low, which is yours, the PGE2 ratio is measuring the proportion of progesterone relative to estrogen. So you can actually have a normal estrogen level, but if progesterone is too low to balance it, because progesterone is very benign, very balancing, it's not as potent and it's not a growth hormone. So you need a good amount of it mm -hmm. to balance this very potent active estrogen. So in your case, if we see mm -hmm. a higher estrogen level, a borderline low progesterone and a low ratio, which is kind of the clincher, it tells us, nope, there's not enough progesterone on board, then we call this estrogen dominance. And estrogen dominance is mm -hmm. famously linked to some very classic symptoms. So, so, the, so the hallmark symptoms of estrogen dominance are heavy, painful periods. Um, why? Because estrogen's growing that lining in between the cycles. Every cycle, it's, mm -hmm. a, it's a bit heavy. We haven't had a full shedding every time. Cramps, uh, bloating, Oh. Water retention. I'm just reeling off some of the very breast tenderness. I noticed that you had. You're you're checking them all off. Yeah, all of the above. <laughs> That's all. You know, too much estrogen relative to progesterone. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, and weight gain, weight gain, hips, thighs, bottom. If you start to, you know, so many people say to me, "I've never had a weight problem, and now suddenly it's creeping into my hips and it's in my bottom, and I don't know what's going on." Estrogen pattern of fat distribution is that area. And it's hard mm -hmm. to lose because it is linked to thyroid issues. There's um, 
there's a roadblock that too much estrogen presents to the uh, active thyroid levels. So it can actually block the active thyroid and you can start to get symptoms of low thyroid, like it's harder to lose weight. It's interesting because thyroid and estrogen are linked. And a lot of women that start to have thyroid problems are usually in that phase of their reproductive life, like late 30s, early 40s, where hormones inevitably start to fluctuate up and down. Mm -hmm. And and we st and ovulation becomes a bit wonky and unreliable in the lead up to menopause, it can be eight or 10 years of this, you know, erratic fluctuations. And that's when thyroid problems often start. And when estrogen and progesterone become imbalanced. So there's a link there with estrogen dominance and weight gain. And often women will go and get their thyroid tested because they're desperate to lose weight and thinking it's the mm -hmm. thyroid and the doctor will say, no, your thyroid's fine. So that's usually because your thyroid is fine. It's actually an underlying imbalance. And then the other biggie is with estrogen dominance is PMS because, and, and the extension of it as PMDD more severe because we're talking about an inadequate level of progesterone, which is so calming and soothing and balancing. And without it, we just feel stressed. We are anxious. We, you know, uh, the adrenals start to suffer because they, they need progesterone to make enough cortisol to keep our energy up. So it's all of a piece. And I would say with your severe PMS, if that's what you've been dealing with for years, it's probably, a, a combination of this higher level estrogen, which may or may not have been going on for some time, I'm not sure, and, and a lower progesterone. And then you kind of have to look at, okay, if progesterone's made upon ovulation, yeah. what disrupts ovulation? And that's important to discuss because, yeah, uh, you know, sometimes I see levels in women that look more like menopausal women. I see in younger women levels that look like menopause with you know, higher estrogen and lower progesterone. And, and sometimes and often, I think mm -hmm. that's because younger women, if they've been on the pill for any long period of time, if they're rushing around, like, you know, remember when we were so before COVID crazy busy, everybody was, you know, it was, <laughs> maybe it was good stress. Yeah, it was constantly like, I'll sleep when I die. I'm, I'm on, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to 10 destination weddings. I have my own podcast. I have three businesses. I mean, really, I'm not even exaggerating. <laughs> I think your generation graduated into a recession and you've <laughs> all become entrepreneurs and you have huge responsibility. There are women that are mm -hmm. lawyers and they've got three kids at home and they're trying to homeschool. Everybody's anxious right now. That is the number one symptom. So, um, you know, it, it's just it, it's just really, really helpful to yeah. determine are these symptoms based on this hormone imbalance that's hidden, that's silent, that I just think I, I, I've become my symptoms and I don't even realize that I actually have an imbalance that I could turn around. Yeah, I think my mine have been in balance for a very long time. I mean, I I don't know if it's just my body type or if it is linked to this, but I've always carried weight more in my hips, in my thighs, in my butt. I remember my periods have always been painful yeah. and heavy. So it's it's crazy to think how long that this could be going on and it just was something that I needed to get balanced out. Well, there, you know, it, I started to say about disruption of ovulation, I, I did want to mention, sometimes I get to talking and, and then I forgot what I was saying because I'm in menopause. Hello. Me too. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but it, but disrupt. We we need to kind of be aware of uh, 
feeding our ovulation. You know, we want those ovaries to work for us at least through mm -hmm. our 30s and they should be in good nick. They should be making the proper amounts of estrogen and progesterone. But if we are constantly stressed, mm -hmm. that's what I was gonna talk about, good or bad, you know, if it's piling on, I often ask people, let me ask you, what, what's been going on the last two years of your life up until now? <laughs> oh my God, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot, craziness. Um, and especially we, I just bought a house right now, went through like crazy stuff in my personal life One, over the last two. few years. It's, it's definitely yeah, been, I mean, these are major <laughs> moving house, having even, you know, stress can be great career success. It can be, you know, being overbooked, overcommitted. Mm -hmm. You love it, but you're working 14 hours a day. You're on your computer late at night, you know, which really messes mm -hmm. with melatonin, the sleep hormone, by the way. And then that really skews stress result, stress hormones. Um, you know, people who overexercise that, I, I can't say that enough, women who are desperate to lose weight, let's say, they want to lose that belly fat and they're on that, you know, they're spinning, they're kickboxing, they're doing all cardio, high interval training, that is tough on the adrenals. It's really a strain. You know, the adrenals have to meet our demand mm. for energy. So if we're, if we're working out six, seven days a week, which many women I talk to are, that can stop ovulation. You know, Olympian athletes, women athletes are famous for having anovulatory cycles, cycles without ovulation. When you're constantly training and working out, gymnasts that I've talked to haven't had a period in years. There's all kinds of issues around that because that is an extreme stressor. So, you know, the body doesn't want you ovulating if you're running from the Taliban. It's just, it's a, it's a survival response. So that mm -hmm. overexercise is is one of the things, I, you know, I always say, do your high interval, but don't do it every day. Balance it with yoga, stretching, things that take tension out of your muscles. We don't go around holding tension all day. That's that's a stressor on the adrenal glands. And that, that depletes our progesterone levels too. Also veganism. Now, don't get me in trouble with people who are vegans. Just do- I'm vegan. Okay, just make sure- I'm doing everything wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> vegans just need to get real good at combining proteins properly. And knowing you need, yeah. you know, the building blocks of hormones are good fats and good proteins. Those are the building blocks. Actually, the backbone of hormones is cholesterol, if you can believe it. Cholesterol, steroid hormone. So you need good fats mm -hmm. every day. Kelly Levesque talks about her Fab Four. You've probably interviewed her, but fats, fiber, um, protein, and greens at every meal. But fats in particular, I've found aren't, you know, you got to think about it. You got to think, oh, I need to eat my avocado today. I, I got to have an egg. I've got to put some olive oil in. And then with proteins, just if you're vegan, get the chia seed in, the quinoa, you know, put these things together because I've talked mm -hmm. to many vegans who will admit, well, my go-to is kind of carbs because it's easier. So guilty of that, 100%. Yeah, so that's tough too. And and then restricting, mm -hmm. you're restricting certain foods, you know, if you're not a vegan, but you're restricting protein or you're not getting any good fats or... You know, there's just so many ways that the body can say, whoops, you know, we're not getting what we need and we can't ovulate here. Alyssa mm -hmm. V has a great book called Woman Code, and she has a chapter that talks about cycle syncing and what's best to eat and, you know, what exercise is best to do at every one of the phases of the, you know, the menstrual cycle. Um, 
and and that's a really important thing to be able to do. So, so there are many issues exposure to chemicals. I often talk about you know the Cosmetic Safety Act hasn't been made eighty mm -hmm. years. So we are putting cosmetics on face. Out of, it's out of we're putting cosmetics on our face. We're putting mm -hmm. stuff on our hair. It's all over our body. What is the largest absorptive organ? In, it's our skin, and we're taking in all this stuff if we're not aware. Yeah. Um, you know, for cleaning with chemicals. I found some mm -hmm. Comet under my sink the other day. You know, it's like, oh, okay, well, this is a gradual thing. We're not gonna be perfect, but you gotta start using toxin-free mm -hmm. makeup, cleaning chemicals, personal care products, and especially so, so, so important is to check if check the foods you're eating because you know the factory farms they they shoot up those cattle with synthetic estrogens rbst you want to look to make their cattle grow fat faster so who does that make grow fat faster but us and those hormones when they get into our bodies they don't act like a nice hormone yeah. they don't open the door nicely like i was describing with the key they just kick the door down into the cell they go into the cell machinery overstimulated it's like the guest that has been sleeping on your couch for 3 weeks and you can't get rid of them <laughs> you know they overstay their welcome and they wreak hormonal <laughs> havoc so all of these chemicals and 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 the foods we eat mm -hmm. got to read labels you know the milk if you're still eating dairy it should say these cows are happy cows. They have not been given any artificial hormones. You have to raise the carton of the eggs. These egg hens are happy hens, you know, that sort of thing. So that's important for you to bring your estrogen levels down. You wanna be aware of all of those things. Um, when I talk to people also that have a sort of low borderline progesterone, a low PGE2 ratio and a high estrogen, I may also talk to you about Vitex, which is a is a an herb, mm -hmm. Chaseberry Vitex, that's been used among herbalists for centuries. It is thought to help um, hit the pituitary gland of the brain to signal um, luteinizing hormone, which then signals a surge of progesterone. So that's an herb that is so effective for PMS and it's been indicated for PMDD, it can really, really help because it is creating an indirectly naturally occurring surge of natural progesterone. So there's Chaseberry Vitex, there's progesterone cream, and I'm talking about progesterone that is bioidentical. Do you know that word? No, I do not. <laughs> so bioidentical See, we're uneducated. We, I'm learning this, so we, much. I'm like eating this up. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't know what bioidentical was, and a lot of women don't, but bioidentical. So we're talking about hormones, not the stuff mm -hmm. that's in birth control. Not, you know, in the, when they say progestin, that's not progesterone. Progestin is a synthetic hormone in birth control, along with synthetic estrogens that wreaks havoc on our hormonal balance. So what I will suggest to people who, if they have terrible PMS or PMDD, if they're not sleeping, if they're tired all day or they're tired but wired, if they've got belly fat, mood swings, you know, all these things we're talking about, breast tenderness, I, I, will, I will suggest progesterone cream that's made from plants. Bioidentical okay. means it's made, it's bio, it's made from plant compounds like wild yam, it's identical mm -hmm. in structure and function to the hormones our own bodies make. So it fits like the key. You rub it into your skin, mm -hmm. it's delivered in a physiologic manner. It goes right into the bloodstream. So you're not taking it as a capsule that has to go through the gut and the liver, and then you've got to take a whole lot more to get an effective dose. This way you rub it in as a cream, it's easily absorbed, goes to the tissues, and 
you use an amount that is also mimicking mother nature. So you're using an amount that is just gonna be like what I call the Goldilocks amount. It's the not too much, not too little, it's just right. It's what your body should be making. So that's kind of the bioidentical approach. And with people like you who are, you're still so young, you're not even 30, but it, it helps your body wake up and say, oh yeah, progesterone, we wanna make some more of this. You know, We wanna load up and get back to a place where we've got enough progesterone. You use it at bedtime, it helps you sleep. It is so helpful for sleep. You can rub it into your breasts. It is so helpful for breast tenderness because progesterone actually, there's a lot of research mm -hmm. that shows it very protective against fibrocystic breasts and down the road breast cancer. So those are some of the things I would suggest for you. Oh, wow. The progesterone cream that I suggest is, is formulated by a, an OBGYN who's also a compounding pharmacist and he's been, he's a guru in the bioidentical hormone movement, Dr. C.W. Randolph. He's written many books and I'm so happy to be able to suggest his creams because they're right on. He's been doing it for 40 years and now he's made it possible for people to have them without a prescription because they're so benign. But for someone like you, I would think, you know, watching yeah. the chemicals and being organic and grass fed and using some herbs and vitamins to reverse and, and probably some progesterone cream, especially if I would ask you if we were having a okay. real, you know, a, a full on consult, do you sleep well? I actually do. I sleep great. Okay. Do you wake up in the morning feeling rested? No. <laughs> okay. I feel like I fall, I fall asleep automatically. I sleep through the night. I'm a heavy sleeper, but I wake up and I just, unless I can really get moving right away and just forget about it, I feel so groggy in the morning. Yeah. So that's another thing I would have said about your cortisol levels. If you look at the curve, mm -hmm. you see that we're going to skip over to the cortisol curve right now. There's a graph on the yeah. test results and you see your mm -hmm. morning cortisol your noon, your evening, and your nighttime, right? So mm -hmm. in the morning, there's something called the cortisol awakening response, which I think I mentioned before, but it is that when you wake up in the morning, your cortisol should be at its highest level uh, for the day. Yeah. So your graph is following that, you know, it, it's following that pretty much, but your high level isn't very high. You know, I mean, okay. your morning level is at 3.4, and the low end of the range is 1.5. Mm -hmm. The high end of the range is 9.6. Mm -hmm. So what I often say to people, uh, and, and let's then let's go through your noon level is right at the borderline of low. So the lowest end of the, of mm -hmm. the noon level is 0.6, you're right at 0.6. The evening is a little better, maybe you exercised or uh, you know something popped up there you're sort of mid-range, which is good, but then you're back down to a very borderline low cortisol at bedtime. So you want your levels to be low at bedtime, mm -hmm. but these levels are, what I often say is they're normal, they're within normal range, low normal range, but normal is not mm -hmm. necessarily optimal, right? So you're waking up, you've yeah. slept, but you don't wake up feeling rested. And that's one of the key indicators yeah. of what we call um, tired adrenals, evolving adrenal fatigue. Some people have a problem with the, with the phrase adrenal fatigue. I think it's an easy way to describe something that's more complicated to explain, which is called the, you know, a disorder, a dysfunction of the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which is the whole feedback loop that 
controls our energy, et cetera. But adrenals can get, you know, it's like if you go for years, and I asked you about the last two years, whether all kinds of great things are happening or there's been some negative stuff, whatever it is, it's all of a piece. It, it accumulates, it piles on and, it, and add in the exercise and restricting a diet and whatever else. And then suddenly the adrenals are like, oh my God, give us a break. You know, we need some, we need a little tender loving care here. Mm -hmm. We're trying to, the adrenals really, I said, you know, they, they're, they're pulsing out that energy. They're helping us take stress and stride. But you know what? They also regulate the sleep-wake cycle. And they also regulate our immunities yeah. against illness. So if you're a person who has allergies or asthma or you've got belly fat or sugar cravings or you get sick easily Both. and you don't bounce <laughs> back if you're not sleeping well but maybe you're mm -hmm. sleeping well but you could sleep for 10 hours and still wake up not feeling rested that kind of thing that's all adrenal stuff and as it mm -hmm. happens i think i mentioned the adrenals need progesterone to even make cortisol all these hormones break down to other hormones progesterone breaks down to cortisol so if the adrenals don't have enough cortisol, progesterone to make enough yeah. cortisol, then, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of going, want, the adrenals are going wanting and you're feeling like you could have more energy than you do, more get up and go. Um, and also interestingly, for people who are fighting with belly fat and weight mm -hmm. gain, people who have a high night cortisol, when that level is elevated, that's not you, Cami, but um, a high night cortisol, you know, like you're tossing and turning, you're tired but wired kind of picture. There is a huge connection with appetite hormones and overeating because as it happens, the appetite hormones operate on the same sleep-wake cycle. So if you've got a high night cortisol that interferes with appetite hormones and suddenly the hormone ghrelin that makes you feel hungry shoots way up and the hormone leptin that tells you you're full goes down. So now you've got cravings and you're hungry all the time and you don't feel full. Anybody has that kind of a thing going on, um, you know, that, that makes you hardwired to overeat. That makes you hardwired to crave sweets. That's not your fault. You're hardwired by your hormones. So, you know, this is mm -hmm. an, an interesting, it, you know, it's just a, a whole overview. I would say for you, adrenal support would be really important. Again, I would think definitely the Vitex Chaseberry, if you're real purist and you just want to do the herb, that's a great idea. There's a, there's a um, under estrogen dominance, I also always list the, I don't know if you've heard of DIM. Yeah. So DIM stands for Dindoli L-methane, and you don't have to remember that, people, but it just so that you know, it's, it's an mm -hmm. actual compound breakdown extract of cruciferous vegetables. So... Somehow cruciferous vegetables have a compound in them called sulforaphane that actually has oh. been shown to, to help estrogens metabolize down the proper pathways. There are, you know, all these hormones have to break down and be used by the body and then excrete it. You don't want to accumulate them. You don't want to have a high estrogen burden. So, so this, this extract of cruciferous vegetables, DIM, helps estrogens move down the proper healthy pathways. And um, 
you know, it's like eating two pounds of broccoli or Brussels sprouts. Who's going to do that? You should always add those veg to sauteed or steamed because they can affect thyroid if they're raw, but have them in your, in your salads and your veg. But this is a way if you have higher estrogen levels to, to bring those down as well, along with the Vitex and or the progesterone. And in the process, anybody who has bad skin or inflammatory cystic acne often finds that their skin clears up and gets more radiant. So there are, in the action plan I will send you and that I always send everybody, it's like we, we, get, mm -hmm. we get this conversation and then you get an action plan that kind of goes over the imbalances that were identified. And in your case, those are the imbalances, you know, estrogen dominance, and I would say, you know, suboptimal adrenal levels that are affecting your your ability to feel mm -hmm. energized, your ability to stay well. I think you 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 checked allergies, which was something. Yeah. Yeah, I have horrible allergies. I have my whole life, and I have asthma. So I've I've kind of gotten hit from all ends with that. I have a deviated septum. So growing up, especially, I was always sick. I've done a lot better in mm. California. I don't think my allergies are as affected mm -hmm. here um, as they were. I grew up in Pittsburgh. But yeah, I have horrible, horrible allergies. Anything can just set them off and it's it's bad. You know, that's <laughs> so much an adrenal thing. And just to share with you, when I was a kid growing up in Illinois, by the way, I was born in Pennsylvania. Um, oh, <laughs> when I was growing up in Illinois, I had such horrible allergies. I had to sleep in the bathtub because was, oh my, God. my parents bought this little machine that cleaned the pollen out of the room and the smallest room was the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So my mother would make me a bed in the bathtub and I'd sleep in there, oh. but I had the, you know, the swollen, itchy eyes all summer long and yeah. I was constantly hacking and just, just horrible asthma. Mm -hmm. And since I've gotten on to knowing about balancing my adrenal glands, you know, we're talking mm -hmm. B vitamins, big time, B vitamins, not just B12, yeah. adaptogenic herbs. Have you heard of adaptogens? Yes. You know, like ashwagandha, rhodiola, mm -hmm. maca, which is great for the libido, um, eleuthero, the reishi mushrooms that we see in these four sigmatic coffees. Um, I love those coffees. <laughs> yeah. And they're a great, great alternative to caffeine coffees because I know they have some caffeine, but it's not as like matcha and mushroom coffees are better than straight on caffeine that you get in coffee or Red Bull or that stuff is an absolute whip to the adrenals. They That will kill them. Oh, no. You know, that, I have so walk. much coffee. <laughs> well, coffee in the morning, maybe, but not if you have if you're switching to mushroom or matcha, you know, you, everything's gradual. Mm -hmm. We can't do all this at once. It's nothing wrong with having a coffee. Yeah. I had a I had an oatmeal coffee this morning, but you know, it's, it's like, I mean, that doesn't mean that because I did it, it's perfect for all of you, but one, one <laughs> big deal, it's the five in the coffees a day that can just hammer adrenals. I mean, it's like, you know, think of them, they're trying to, and then they're just, so, you know, they burn out, you burn out. And then we get all these issues yeah. related to immune problems like the asthma and the allergies. And you don't want to have low adrenal levels when we've got a COVID virus lurking Oh, you know, hanging like a sort of Damocles over our heads. Mm -hmm. So that gets into B vitamins and these adaptogens. You know, they named the yeah. adaptogens that way because they are herbs that help the adrenals adapt to stressors. So they tested them uh, in on Olympian athletes and mm -hmm. astronauts, people who are under increased, prolonged, heightened stress, and have found that they actually help to nurture and, and strengthen adrenal health. 
So when your adrenals are kind of looking like they could use a lift, you you know, the adaptogenic herbs are really helpful. I like to, to suggest them as tinctures because then they're easier to absorb. They taste like hell, by the way, but you know, you can get used to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there are many things, like I said, progesterone is helpful. It. There are many things you can do, but I also get into with people like make a list of the 10 things you love to do in all the world and that relax you and de-stress you. And I bet that's an easy list to make. But when you go back through a list like that and say, okay, when's the last time I had a day to myself? Mm -hmm. Or when's the last time I had, you know, a facial or listen to, you know, mm -hmm. maybe theater online because we can't go to the theater. But what are the things you love to do and when's the last time you did them? I mean, that can be a real, I talk to women all the time. Mm -hmm. I was just talking to a woman recently who said, I love to sing. Yeah. I don't even sing in the shower anymore. And, you know, <laughs> so it's like, Go, go sing. Yeah, go outside and start singing. Like, go sing, girl. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's a, it's a holistic mm -hmm. thing. There are herbs, there are vitamins, there are very specific things that we know you can take. Uh, Omega-3s are absolutely essential when you have PMS and PMDD. Um, you know, the B vitamins, again, it's so essential, but getting the hormones tested and balanced mm -hmm. is going to take that big piece you got to rule that out. You don't want to be walking around with the hidden hormone imbalance and trying to deal with these symptoms. They're just, you know, these hormone imbalances are going to sabotage you at every turn if, if you're not, if you don't have a handle on them. And unfortunately, we're living in a world of abundant stress and that enough is, that alone is enough to knock out, you know, to create hormonal imbalances. Yeah. I mean, it's so worth just getting checked out if you could find the fix is just fixing your hormones and you don't have to live with all these symptoms. I had no idea it was going to correlate back to my asthma and my allergies as well. I knew that it was all encompassing in most of my issues that I'm having health-wise, but it, I'm really excited to kind of adapt and change and make little fixes here and there and hopefully get get rebalanced. So if I make these changes to balance out my hormones, how long should I be waiting until I get retested to see if I'm balanced again about like how is there is it months is it years that it takes to balance out? No. Well, yes, no. Um depends on how long the problem has been existing, but you know, I I do mm -hmm. talk to people who will say, "My god, this was the first month that I had a period that I didn't bleed through my tampon in two hours and had to or had to crawl under my desk in a fetal ball and when I was in college I we used to go we'd go to TGIF and poor Patty was still on the bed you know curled up in pain and we'd go poor Patty you know she's she well, I'm the poor worst Patty. period <laughs> isn't that just you know what a bummer but oh well you know like this was normal not normal mm -hmm. not normal people no not normal and um yeah yeah, I think we just try to make it feel normal and it's just life of having no. periods, but it's not. It's just not what our and, reality is. You know, I, I hate, I can't give an absolute time frame, but I, ha I can say that within one or two or three cycles, and three would be a long time, many women will say to me, I am feeling, I can't, you know, I'm, my periods are much better, or I just got my period after not being able to get my period because I was on birth control for four years and I, yeah. now I want to have a baby and I've been trying for six months. It's another important thing to mention. Irregular periods or not getting your period is, you know, and, and then also um, PMS being much, much better. Like this, my family is telling me I'm much easier to live with. 
I or my husband. What if somebody told me yesterday that her husband said, "My God, I, I, he, I evidently he writes on his calendar when her period's coming, so he can look out." You know. <laughs> my yeah. dad used to do that with she, my mom. Yeah. <laughs> he said he he said I don't have I can't believe it. You're so much nicer. But you know, really, and and me too. When I started using progesterone. Um, my girls mm -hmm. would just say, mom, you know, cause you'd take a break from it. And, and cause you're only using it in, in, with women who are having cycles still, you're using the progesterone in sync with your cycle. So you're only using it in the second half of the cycle. And my girls would say to me, okay. mom, are you using that cream? Because it really, are you, when will you be using that cream again? <laughs> when I was on it, you know, when I was doing the period when I wasn't oh my on it. Gosh. But you know, you can use Vitex in between or things like that. Um, I also wanted to mention to you, Cami, uh, just so your listeners here, you know, we also tested your DHEA and your testosterone. And DHEA and testosterone, I should mention, are um, mm -hmm. the two hormones. I think I mentioned it before. They build bone, they build muscle, they build your drive, all that. Your levels were pretty good, you know, yeah. on that score. Your DHEA was good. Your testosterone Okay. Your testosterone could be a little better right. for your age. And with some women, uh, you'll find that if you do decide you want to okay. use a little progesterone or even having more progesterone on board will trigger more testosterone production. So if you want to feel, you know, like if you get sore muscles after working out or okay. if your libido is kind of low or if you're, you know, you just don't have the enthusiasm mm -hmm. for stuff and you want to boost your testosterone, that's one way. And also strength training. So not overdoing it, like not lifting 30 pound weights every day, but a couple days a okay. week, some strength training, increase that lean muscle. That'll send a message to the brain. We need more testosterone. So there are a lot of natural ways, you know, mm -hmm. just lifestyle modifications to do anything weight bearing. You can go on a walk and put some weights in your backpack or, you know, that sort of thing. And then stress management, of course, go on that walk. Mm -hmm. I don't think, I know we're all in lockdown mostly, but we can still get outside some way, somehow yeah. in the sun and air, get your vitamin D so important. And don't take your phone with you when you go on a walk so that you can let your mind roll and, and gather your thoughts and get off the, the stress, the, you know, the stress okay. wheel. <laughs> but you know, there's a lot more to this. There's a, there's a lot to it, and we discussed that on the yeah. calls. I'm going to you know, really commit to this. The action plan kind yeah. of sent, is sent to you with uh, all, a hold so you don't have to take a million notes. The action plan goes over these things. And it's really up to, because I'm just a health educator. I'm just mm -hmm. trying to help people understand from, from the many years I've spent in the world of hormones and balancing. It's like, what do these hormones do? What can, you know, what's an imbalance? How do I identify it? And what can I do to, to, to feel better? And I can guarantee you that you can do that. But it, the action plan I send is providing all kinds of options that have to do with every aspect, lifestyle, diet, exercise, and using supplements that functional medicine doctors and integrative physicians know now help to balance hormones. So it's kind of a consensus of all the good stuff. Yeah. 
I'm really excited to get started. I'm going to document my journey with trying to fix and balance my hormones out. I'm going to share it with the listeners. And also, if you follow along on the uneducated um, Instagram, I'm going to share it there. Candace also is offering you guys $100 off towards any of the testing and rebalancing packages on her website. I'll put all that information in the description of this episode and as well on the uneducated Instagram. Guys, it is it, it's so helpful. It was such an easy thing to do. I highly recommend it. And if you're nervous, you can follow along mm. with me during the process yeah. and we can kind of do it together. You also have a hormone imbalancing quiz, which was very eye-opening for me. I'll also put the link to that in the description of the show. When I answered those questions, I was like, okay, yeah, something definitely is off. I think I was on the kind of the red end of every question being like, mm, all signs are pointing to hormone imbalance. So I'm I'm really excited to see if this can help with a lot of my kind of severe issues that I've just related to my menstrual cycle, but haven't really had any idea of how to control it. And it's not my fault, but it's in my control to fix it, which is, it feels pretty powerful. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it is within your control. And just, you know, being, having, being educated on this subject, absolutely, rather than, you know, the, the reverse. So uh, thank you for bringing this, you know, spreading the message because there's so much we can do yeah. really to feel better. Yeah. To thank feel like you. your best self. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait to get started. Everyone listening, also head over. Candace has a podcast as well with the most clever name ever. It is WTF, which is Women Talking Frankly. If you couldn't get enough of everything you learned here today, Candace goes into a plethora of topics that are that. I mean, you're so in line with this podcast of us talking about things that most people are afraid yeah. to talk about. Your entire podcast and everything you do does the exact same things. It's ex- we need to be talking. We need to be speaking up so that we know what is normal and what isn't normal and what we don't have to live with anymore. So thank you for spreading awareness. I learned so much today. I can't wait to listen to this back and get my action plan. (laughs) All right. You're the best. (laughs) Thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Cammie. That was fun. What an incredibly informative episode. I cannot wait to listen to this back to take some notes and really break this down. I cannot believe this as every topic on the show is not something we learn more about growing up. I'm nearly 30 and didn't know so many things about my hormones. So the more you know. If you guys would like to get any of the testing and rebalancing packages at yourhormonebalance.com, Candace has offered you guys a $100 discount. Just use the promo code uneducated at checkout. And if you want to follow along and do this together, make sure you're following my personal channels and then I'll also be sharing it on all of the uneducated podcast platforms. So... Let's get our hormones balanced, y'all. Let's do this. Have a great week, and I will see you guys next time. Bye.